thanks for joining me on this episode of This Is Her Story. I had so much fun interviewing Jill Waltz. She was a children's pastor for 20 years before transitioning as a full-time evangelist, public speaker, and a recent author. Jill has great insight about leadership and embracing who you are in Christ. Check out the show notes to see how you can connect with her on social media. And also the podcast is now available on iTunes and Google Play Music. So would you do me a favor and head over there and give me a review? That would be wonderful. Much appreciated. You can also connect with me uh, on social media. I would love to hear from you. Uh, Just look for Joanne Bastine and I will connect with you. Enjoy the podcast. really need to tell better stories instead of complaining about it, right? What if we just start telling the stories and really flood the airwaves with something different? Anderson was the last place you were at. Yeah. How long were you there? I was there for three years. I guess I thought you were at the same church for the whole, your whole children's pastor ministry. No, I went from the long the really long one to so I was pregnant and you know was like oh shoot I just knew that the Lord was leading me to resign but I didn't know where I was gonna go so I just uh resigned and did my thing and then was a tent we were attending Anderson First Church well then the church where I had been on staff at Middletown for 16 years they had a a restart that's just down the road from me the other direction and I thought, okay, I had a friend who was who had gone there, and he was trying to restart it. Right. So I thought, oh, I'm going to go there, and I'm going to be like his family person. Well, I had been there two weeks when a major moral failure had came to the surface. I was left holding the bag, and I served there basically as interim for about six months, and they wanted me to stay and knew that it would frustrate me. So I politely declined, and Thankfully, at the same time, Anderson First Church had, uh, their children's pastor had resigned. And so he called me and he was like, hey, could you come be an interim here? Oh, sure, I'll come be the interim. And during the, when I was in talking to him, I said, let's put all the cards on the table here. Are you like, is this a working interview? And he said, um, no, I'm wanting to hire a man. So <laughs> I went home and told Brad, well, Game on. I don't know if I want the job or not, but game on. <laughs> like, I realize that's probably not the right attitude, but yeah. So well, I was, you know, whatever gets the job done. Yeah. Sometimes God we, lights a fire under us, right? Totally. So yeah, then long story short, I ended up staying there for three years. And so now here I am. August 31st, it'll be two years to the day since I left there. So I've been doing my own thing for almost two years. So you did children's, you're a children's pastor for 20 years, and I want to get into transit, transitioning and how all that happened, but tell me about your, your faith background. Did you grow up in the church? Oh yeah. Like I call myself Nancy Nazarene. I definitely grew up in the church and was, I spent, I've spent my whole life there. I, my great grandpa in fact was a Nazarene pastor and was actually a pastor at one of the churches, the first one where I served for 16 years, he was the pastor there in the 40s. Wow. So 
I thought that was pretty cool. And then he did evangelism and I have other family that are Nazarene pastors and whatever too. So camped out here a while. So when did you know that you had a call to ministry? Oh man. Um, in third grade, I vividly remember um, sitting in the back of my church reading a missionary book. And in that book, the missionary said um, that she had reached a point where she was willing to give God her whole life and do whatever it was that he asked of her. And I remember praying that prayer and just feeling a sense of I would spend my life living that out. And I didn't really understand what it would look like until I was in high school and went to the my pivotal revealing of my call, I guess, was uh, when I was in my, my senior year, the summer after my senior year, when I was at church camp and NYC in the same summer. And my call was really solidified during that particular summer. So you knew you had a call to preach. Did you know you were called specifically to children's ministry? How did that? <laughs> no, unwind? it was kind of a, yeah, it was weird walking it out. So I went to all of that thinking that I was going to be in youth ministry. And so I studied the first three years that I was at Olivet to be a youth pastor. And while I was between my junior and senior year, I ran into one of my profs in the elevator and he said, Hey Jill, um, since you have to do an internship anyway, Chicago first church is looking for someone and they're willing to pay. And I was like, Oh really doing what? And they said children's ministry. And I was like, absolutely not. No way. <laughs> but then I went home and I was talking to my husband. I was like, well, it is a paid internship was, which is hard to come by. Right. And it's at a nice church, you know, a well-established church, right. well-respected. I knew it would look good on my resume. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I'll do it. Probably five or six weeks into my time and absolutely hated every second of it. But I was leading one Sunday in worship. And literally I had one of those just like, that was my moment. <laughs> in the middle of preaching to those kids, I was transformed so much so that on the drive home, my husband said to me, what happened to you? And I looked back at him. And I said, I don't know. And then the lady leading the internship um, asked me later, what happened to you? And I said, I'm not sure. <laughs> and then uh -huh. it just became like, oh, this is it. So do you think you're hating it because you're resisting it? Or there was just something that God flipped a switch kind of. Yeah, it was more like the, the latter. I didn't. I never have considered myself to be early on a kid's person. And to be honest with you, that we're talking about life in the mid-90s. And I hadn't seen this lived out. I didn't know children's pastors. I didn't know female youth pastors. I had had one experience with one female youth pastor, and that was it. And so I didn't know what this would look like for me. So I felt like it was being very courageous just saying I was going to be a youth pastor, you know. Yeah, the kids thing never entered my mind. I was never a kid's person. But in that moment, I I became one. Even though you grew up in the church, did you have a lot of women pastors, like, around you? Did you see that example? No, I don't know. Looking back, I've tried to think over the last few years. Like, looking back over my growing up years, I don't know that I ever saw it. I don't think I ever saw a female evangelist. I don't think I ever saw staff. But I, and also, honestly, growing up where I grew up, I was surrounded by small churches. So staff people weren't really a thing either right. so much. I mean, there were, there were some youth pastors, but again, it was all uh, very much 
I was surrounded by males in leadership. Now I had very strong females in my life. Right. And that shaped me probably more than anything. And in fact, I knew that I had, others had begun to see giftedness in me when it became called out during that summer when I was at camp and a female counselor came up to me one night after I had testified in the middle of the service and she said do you think that maybe you're called to ministry and I'm getting emotional thinking about it because I think had she not called that out in me right I would have continued to wrestle with is this for me is this for real like what do I do with this but the fact that someone else saw it and someone else said, hey, what about this? Made me think, this is this is for me. Those strong women, even if they're not ordained women, right, in our Absolutely. lives. Absolutely. Speaking into you and saying that we can be leaders. So you've transitioned a couple of years ago to a different avenue of ministry. <laughs> I'm just totally fascinated with it. Because in some ways, <laughs> it's almost like, you know, 180. Like, I could almost see you going from children's pastor to lead pastor. Do you have a title for yourself? Are you calling yourself evangelist, public speaker? Like, what are you calling yourself? I call myself a hot mess. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm embracing. And to be honest with you, over the last couple of years, I've had a bit of an identity crisis. Because right. I lived under that, that one title all of my adult life. And I didn't expect that it would ever change. Right. But I'm, I'm embracing the idea of calling myself an evangelist now because that's uh, my role code in the district minutes. That tends to make the most sense to people. So that's what I, yeah, I've kind of just come to terms with the fact that, yes, I am an evangelist because that that is what I do. I, I go around and I evangelize. So I know I evangelize, I think, in a couple different senses. I evangelize um, my my love of leadership and church leadership but I also evangelize, obviously, you know, Christ and the gospel message. So. so you're going all over and you're speaking and you're doing conferences. I just saw that you're going to do a webinar on the discipleship place, right? Yes. So yes. That was really cool. I saw your name pop up. Oh, yeah, look. I'm excited. So how did this transition happen? Tell me about like what was God doing and saying in your life to say, okay, this is a new season. The transition for me had become... Um, I had had a, a sense that I couldn't explain I had begun to happen in me um, over about a six-month, about a year-long period towards the end of my time at Middletown. And I just knew that something was something was going to change, but I kept waiting for the answer. I kept waiting for, well, then I need to have the next step. I need to have the next step. And I finally, I wrote in my journal on January, let's say, January the 11th, God, you and I are about to go on a grand adventure. And I didn't know what that looked like, but I, like I said, I just had this wrestling inside of me. And so I said to my husband, listen, I feel like I want, I'm being led to resign. And I think what I'm probably going to do is children's evangelism. And I'll just um, keep the whole children's ministry thing going, but I'll travel and do kids stuff. And so he was like, okay, well, you want to try to last through the end of the year? And I said, yeah, I think that's probably a good plan. Well, on February the 14th of that same year, I discovered that I was pregnant. And it was a very unexpected pregnancy because I had a 9- and 10-year-old at home at the time. And so my whole world really was rocked, and I got really, really, really sick. And so we ended up 
quitting way sooner than I had anticipated, but uh, left that there on feeling like Abraham, like, okay, I've only gotten this one piece of the puzzle that I have peace about, but the rest of it I'm still wrestling with. And so God, would you make that clear to me? And in those months, I really still wrestled with the fact that I didn't know where or what. And so I remember taking walks. We have a woods out back of our house where we have a trail. I remember walking through that trail many times just praying, God, show me. Because I'm a planner and I'm a doer and I don't like the messy middle, the waiting. And I found myself living out the day-to-day of what that messy middle would look like. And so that's kind of just how that all evolved. And, you know, then after my daughter was born, like I said, I ended up going to small restart for a time and it's been a crazy a a crazy since April 10th 2011 my life has changed so dramatically in ways that I never would have when I began ministry you know I never would have expected now I feel like I've always wrestled with this I do have a call to speak and to preach more than to than I was doing just in children's ministry I always knew that there was another piece but I had no clue when or how that would all play out and so it's been an adventure to sit back and just kind of enjoy the show in some ways because I met you and I think you had just resigned right or you were getting ready to resign something like that from Anderson and so that was from 2011 to when did you leave Anderson I left there in 2016 so that was five years yeah that's a long waiting I think you know we we think this transition should happen in three to six months, right? Oh my that's, goodness. That's a five yeah. year journey. <laughs> yes. I'm a tight, I'm a three on the Enneagram. Okay. I'm a, an achiever. I'm a list checker offer. I'm a firstborn. <laughs> it's, it's not pretty for me to have to wait. And right now I'm sort of in that season again. I feel like God, the Lord is preparing me for something. Right. And I'm waiting and it drives me nuts most days. <laughs> Uh, I'm in a waiting spot too, but I, I'm uh, I, I'm okay to drag my feet a little bit more. So now that you've kind of you've got your your JillWaltz.com, right? That's you. It's you've written a couple books. So how many books? I have three books that are all available in electronic and paperback. Okay, and, format. And then your but your newest one just came out. What's that one? That one is called Imagine This: Insight into the Parables. And if you'd have told me that I would have ever written anything on the parable, like any, I don't know, it's just funny to me, but that's just out of my own, it's a devotional book, you know, designed to help. My real passion is to help people who have grown up in the church like I have to go deeper and understand who they are in Christ and how they're supposed to be living out their call. So these books, um, the two, two of them anyway, are written specifically for people who have grown up in the church and maybe just need to look at things from a different perspective. I think that's important. I think there is a need for that very much. Yeah. One of the things I'm learning about myself is that I'm not a, um, I don't claim to be like other leaders. I used to be very intimidated by um, people that I thought were way smarter than me. And like there are some that... I'm just, you know, still I'm in awe of how intelligent they are. And I feel like I'll never measure up, but that's not, that's not my call. My call is to take, you know, the message that the Lord has given to me and to use it and to to share it without 
hesitation and without feeling intimidated. So in some ways, I feel like what I do speaks to your average person. So I'm learning to lean into that rather than letting it intimidate me. You lead in a lot of different areas. I know you're doing a bunch on uh, social media. It's your a lot to manage. Let's just say that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then you're you're part of the regional committee, Olivet Regional Women's Clergy Committee. Yes, I don't know. Yes. We should figure out an acronym or something. Cause right. It's, just, <laughs> it's a mouthful. Yeah, it's really a lot. And we don't really even know what we exactly do. But <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we get together and we talk about Falcon. That's right. <laughs> which is coming up. And my son thinks that is the most hilarious thing ever. <laughs> He says, Comic-Con. yeah, like Comic Con. He's like, Palcon? Like, does that mean pastors dress up? Do they dress up like John Wesley and Calvin and Moses? And do they have tapes and stuff? And uh, I'm like, I don't know, but we should totally put that on the docket for the next one. And we all need tapes. Seriously, I'm all over that. You don't. Okay, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. I have. Because of my children's ministry days, and I'm so um, crazy nature. Like, I love, I just love to have fun, right? <laughs> I have five totes downstairs in my basement that are categorized. I have a catalog in an Evernote <laughs> file of every random costume I own. Oh, I have yeah. a foot costume. I have a ketchup costume. <laughs> I have a fat baby costume. doing this podcast for a lot of different reasons. One, I want to tell people's story, women's stories, because we have allowed the fundamentalist voices to come in and squeeze out a whole chunk of the body of Christ. I want us to tell better stories together. Who are you influencing in that area as far as either women or men? Who are you influencing right now and helping them tell better stories about women in ministry? Oh, that's a good question. I am, I mentor like several different people. One of the most gratifying things about being in ministry long-term is when you start seeing your old kids, like actually being called to ministry themselves. And then when they're in positions of, oh my goodness, what do I do? You know, having those conversations with them is exciting to me. And then just, I had a random a person I didn't even know who reached out to me and she just asked me, would you mentor me? And so I was like, sure. So we were having conversations on the phone once a month. And then suddenly she gets moved to a town just down the road from me. So I get to like see her face to face now and see how she's living out her call. And, and another thing, when I talk to women and they say, I'm not, I'm not sure, right? I'm not sure what to do. Then I I push back and I say, why not? Sometimes you just need to, I don't know, push back a little bit, I think, and and challenge them to grow their thinking. Why not? Why not? Why couldn't you be? You're obviously gifted. Why couldn't you be used in ministry? Just because you've never been given the the storyline of what that might look like, you know, so let me help you pick the pen up and together let's figure out what this might look like. What are you reading right now? Oh, my stars. So I'm a bad person about like reading 4,000 books at a time. But right now as I prepare for the um, webinar, I'm kind of knee deep in that stuff. And then Jennifer Kaufman and I are preparing to lead a conference for women um, on leadership. And so I'm kind of knee deep in that too. I'm reading Rachel Held Evans' latest book. Okay. I forget what it's called. But um, one book that's really spoken to me recently is um, How Women Rise. 
and it's about the overcoming the 12 principle, 12 things that have held women back historically throughout time. It's just, it's phenomenal. I'm reading that. And then, yeah, I've got, <laughs> I've got like four books going at once. I, I can't remember the name of the one. Someone in one of my leadership groups had recommended to me uh, the Red Sea or something. I don't know, but it's a, it's a leadership book also. Oh, and I'm also reading, I just finished, um, Didn't See It Coming by Carrie Newhoff. That one comes out next Monday on okay. September 4th, okay. so I was on the book launch team for that. Yeah, that one comes out next week. And there's some really great things in there, really great principles for anybody. Right. It's just a good it's a good self-help kind of book. Talk about the conference that you and Jennifer Kaufman are doing. Okay, I'm going to give you a little bit of honesty with this, okay? Okay. I did not I did not want to do it. Oh, I... <laughs> She came to me and she said, I've got an idea I want your help with. And I was like, okay, shoot. Should I want to do this conference for women? And I was like, nope, I don't want anything to do with it. Because really, to be honest with you, I have spent my whole adult life trying to not align myself with the camp who stood up for women. Right. I know that's an ugly piece of, of truth about me, but it scared me. And when she brought that to me, I wrestled and wrestled and wrestled and then was finally like, wait a minute, this is what, this is exactly what I wish someone would have done for me. Early on in my ministry, I wish there had been strong female voices, even on our district, who stood up and said, you guys, your calling is a very real thing. Let's learn to lean into it. Let's not let that hold us back. I was ordained in 1998 and I stood among a group, a whole group of men, right? right? And then each each year that the elders choir would stand up in front and sing, it would be me, it would be me, it would be me. And then little by little, there have been little batterings. And now there's like, there's a handful of us up there. And right. that's what I want. I want to be able to celebrate that instead of fearfully remove myself from the situation because I don't want to be labeled as that person. I'm so excited. Um, that she even had this brainchild and now we're working really hard to just make this the kind of event where any any woman will benefit from being there. We're going to talk about communication styles between men and women. We're going to talk about what it's like to preach as a woman. We're going to so there's like dif different workshops and we're doing one on moderation and moxie about oh, how yeah. to be strong and courageous and yet temper that with gentleness so that you can lean into and become the leader that you, that God's wired you to be as a female, because you don't, you don't want to shy away from the fact that you're a female. That was an important transition for me in the call of, you know, I was ashamed of the fact that I was female. Right. Mm -hmm. And of course this, our culture does not help that at right. all. I mean, forget being in the church, just our culture right. in general. And when I finally accepted the fact that God created me as a woman and that there's mm -hmm. nothing shameful about being female, then I was able to say yes to the call. And there yeah. is a huge component to being ashamed that we're female, which really hinders answering that call. Absolutely. There was, there was an element, the overarching part of my ministry has been spent in children's ministry. So there was an element of safety that that provided for me as a woman. Right. I'm experiencing new challenges that I have never dealt with before in this new season of ministry. And I've just decided that I, I refuse to back down. So I want to lean into that even when it makes me uncomfortable. And, and you've talked a little bit about this already, but 
someone who's really in that wrestling place with the call to ministry, especially, like, what would you say? I mean, you've you've had 20 years, and then, of course, now you're in this transition, so you're experiencing it from another perspective. What, what, what do you say, or what would you say to someone who's wrestling with that call? I would say throw yourself into it because there is no greater adventure. Everything about ministry to me is is just I'm living out my greatest adventure. And the fact that, that God calls us and uses us um, blows my stinking mind because <laughs> there's so much about me that's broken. But that's what I would say to other women is lean into that. Your brokenness at all. Bring it all. Bring it all to the table. Lay it all out there. Lead from who you are and how you're wired and stop trying to be like everybody else. What was, what's was what been one of your hardest either seasons or situations over these last 23 years, 20 years, whatever, that you've had to deal with? Wow. I think it would be the waiting periods. Right now, like I said, while I'm enjoying this adventure, I do feel like there's something that the Lord's preparing me for, and I wrestle with that. But honestly, what has been the hardest has been parenting. Parenting's been harder for me than ministry. So I don't know if, if that was an open-ended question or if you meant ministry specifically, but that's the first thing really that pops into my mind. Yeah. It, Just parenting in general or parenting in in relationship to working outside the home? I, all of it. Early on in my ministry, I, I wrestled with the whole tension thing, right? Uh, I don't want to call it balance because there's no such thing. It's <laughs> elusive and ideal and not reality for me. So I wrestled with the tension. And I feel like I got a pretty good handle on that. I had reached a point of burnout in my seventh year of ministry and my church gave me a 10-week sabbatical. Oh, awesome. That was the most loving thing I've ever seen a church do. It was, for me, a life-changing, life-altering. I, I was ready to resign and, you know, as a result, I was able to stick it out nine more years at that church. And I just, I will forever love those people for doing that for me. But through that, I learned to manage the tension a little bit better. But I also, um, so I guess in some ways, the difficulties I felt in parenting have pointed out my own brokenness as a follower of Christ. And so maybe that's why I say that it's been the most difficult. <laughs> it's caused me to grow in my own faith more than anything I've ever endured. Yeah. So maybe that's why that feels like why that popped into my mind at first. Now I asked who you were influencing, but who is influencing you right now? I tell you who's influencing me on a personal level. There's two people. And one of them is a friend of mine who was a volunteer at the last church where I was, who is now leading in the children's ministry at my former church because I, I had conversations with her and I was willing to say, hey, I see leadership in you. I see leadership in you. Watching her serve selflessly, she is all in and I admire that. Yeah, I want to be like Kelly when I grow up. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, I have another friend who's showing me what it means to love well because I'm a three and I'm a list or achiever, right? Right. I want to get things done, and she's showing me how to slow down and really love people. And so that's really, really important. It's been an important lesson for me right now. So, And then it's been random 
lately, like I'll run into women that their kids grew up in my children's ministry, like when I was at Middletown, right? So they have adult children now. And, and I used to pour into them and their families. But now when I run into them in the grocery store, they're pouring into me and developing me as a parent and just as a woman. That's been really life-giving to me too. So the opportunity to kind of sit back and learn from a bunch of different women at this season. And then I, I don't mean this to be like you're not paying me or whatever, but to watch women like you and Tony and other women who are like – living out their call in what I consider to be courageous ways, like that inspires me. I want to be that bold when it comes to how I do ministry. I want to be that bold in in living out my call. So right now I feel like there, I'm learning from a whole bunch of different sources and all of that. What's this next year look like for you? I wish I knew. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have a friend who said to me, um, he's the guy I reach out to when I – when I really don't know, like when I really start doubting myself in my call, he said, Jill, put your hand to the plow and don't look back. And right. so I feel like that's such a good word. And right now that's what I'm doing. I'm putting my hand to the plow. I'm taking every opportunity that comes my way and really working to enjoy it and not freak out about what's beyond. Yeah. I have another friend on our district who uh, um, I'm a, bit, a huge Bob Goff fan. Love the whole Love Does book and love uh, or everybody always and all that. So we have this Bob Goff quits something every Thursday. And so he texts me every week and says, what are you quitting this week? And so my thing I'm quitting as of a couple of weeks ago was obsessing about my future. So I'm, I'm learning to just, um, I want to be able to in five years look back and say that year of 2018 or 2019, whatever it was, that was so much fun. So that's what I'm leaning into right now is learning to just enjoy. Like There are so many opportunities that I've been given right now that are absolutely amazing. Right. So I'm learning to lean into that. And sort of the unpredictable nature of that sometimes throws me off. But I'm learning to just love that. I have no clue what this next year is going to look like <laughs> other than I, I plan to enjoy every second of it. How can people find you? Because I do want to promote that. I know you're doing the... Uh, Unstoppable Conference, and I'm going to have mm -hmm. that in the show notes so people Sweet. can link to it. But what about, like, how can they connect with you? People can connect with me um, via email, pastorjillwaltz at gmail.com. You can check me out on my website, jillwaltz.com. I'm on Instagram, Twitter. I think I might be Jill R. Waltz on there, and I don't remember why. But have you ever noticed that, like, important people have, like, initials everywhere? I know. Like, maybe I was just dreaming one day when I created my profiles. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what that's all about. But, yeah, I think it's Jill R. Waltz on those. But I think what I really want leaders to know is that we are a work in progress. Again, it's okay to bring your brokenness, every bit of it, but constantly laying it at the feet of Jesus saying, I am a hot mess. I need you to do your work in me. I need you to give me the courage to grow myself as a leader. I wish more of us leaders were courageous and ask being giving people permission to speak into our lives, being willing to ask other people the tough questions, to be in relationship with people who know and understand what it is you're going through. Yeah, I think that's really what I, I want people to know is that there is more. You were created for more, and to, to really le lean into that, we do have to be able to bring our brokenness and, and say, nope, I don't have my act together. 
the Lord's using me in spite of that. And so I would just challenge leaders to lean into that and um, embrace their brokenness in, in many ways, as painful as it is. If we can all settle down and really understand that every single one of us is broken, then there is no more hierarchy of importance. Right. And so that kind of goes away. So if we focus on us and our own brokenness, <laughs> we, we realize that in humility, we are no greater than anyone else. And so the power struggle, it diminishes. Learn to live into that a little bit. So much for being with me today. I'm excited about this. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah. All right. Well, I will let you get on to all of your craziness. All right. I think I'm going to Taco Bell in my pajama pants. What do you think of that? <laughs> that sounds like a good plan.